Well, we are all certainly different people, aren't we? And that means that we're all on our own spiritual journeys. And uh, this puts us at different places in our walk and in our relationship with God. Some are seekers, just kind of looking for God and curious. Some are babes. They've begun a walk with Him, but very recently. Others are maturing, been walking with the Lord for a while. So even though we're all at different levels or places with God, one thing we all have in common. We want to learn to love God. And in that learning, we want to learn how much God loves us. That's why we've been talking about having a balanced love toward God. We spoke about loving God with all of our heart. Loving what God loves. What does God love? People. Loving people. We talked about loving God with all of our soul. That means with our innermost being, not through outward ritual and religiosity, but from our innermost being. In this time together, we'll see what it means to love God with all of our mind. That's important, to love God with all of our mind. You know, the saying's true. A mind is a terrible thing to waste because it's with the mind that we also love God. Now, we've been in Mark chapter 12. It kind of really brings it all together. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, somebody asked him, what's the great commandment? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. We talked about that. With all your soul. We talked about that. And with all your mind. So, what does it mean to love God with all of your mind? The word mind is the word dianoia. Dianoia. And it's where we get the word to come to know. And it's the place where we comprehend, where we consider, where we heed, where we perceive. Think of the mind as the computer of the soul. Okay? And you know, God expects us to use our minds as we live the Christian way of life. He does. The Christian way of life, here it comes, is a thinking life. Oh, let's remember that. The Christian way of life is a thinking life. Christianity, Some people make it about feelings, emotions, and that's why people go for the latest trend or the latest fad or the experience. You know, it seems like when these new trends blow through town and it's an experience, people flock to those things. But the Christian way of life is not a life of feeling. It's a life of thinking. And that makes for a very spiritual life when we think our way through lives because we're thinking with the Word of God. But if you feel your way through life and you make it all about emotion, it actually becomes, your life will become 
unstable, and therefore unspiritual. And I've seen it. I've seen this, this, the, the emotional believers, and God love them. They love Jesus, no doubt about it. But they put the emotions as a priority, and I've seen them go from extremes, from one extreme to another. Very happy and emoting and thrilled to downcast and discouraged, depressed, because their life is like a roller coaster ride instead of being steady as she goes. You know what the best testimony is? When somebody is steady as she goes. So we need to put intelligence into our affection. Okay? When you love the God, when you love God with all your mind, you're adding intelligence to your affection. Okay? Real love is not blind. Real love is not stupid. Okay? They say love is blind. Yeah, but it's not real love. Because real love, here it comes, adds up the facts. It's not just an emotional thing. Let me give you an illustration. A young girl brought home her new boyfriend to meet her parents. The mother was mm, terrified by his appearance. He was rather unkept, long hair, beard, earrings, tattoos, piercings, heavy boots. He had an overall rough appearance. Now, that's not to say that some of these guys can't be nice people. That's an illustration. So in her, in her concern for her mother, her mother took the daughter aside and said, Honey, is he nice? And the girl was taken back by such a question. And she said, Of course he's nice, mother. If he wasn't nice, he wouldn't be doing 5,000 hours of community service. <laughs> that love is blind, okay? But real love is not blind. Real love is realistic and understanding. It comprehends and it considers. Let's talk about getting married. Think about it first, okay? Never get married on a feeling. Because real love is not a feeling, it's a consideration. It thinks. Ladies, let's talk to the ladies for a minute. When you get married on only feelings, without a realistic consideration, you get married too quickly. And when you get married too quickly, you get married under false pretenses. When you get married under false pretenses, your marriage is not a happy marriage. When your marriage is not a happy marriage, you seek for a divorce. When you seek for a divorce, you want to sell your wedding dress. And when you sell your wedding dress, you put an ad in the paper that says, For sale, cheap, one wedding dress, worn only once by mistake. <laughs> Don't get married just based on feelings. Use your mind. Use consideration and understanding. Because that's how we're talking about loving God. We're loving God with consideration and understanding because of the mind. And that's how we should enter into a loving relationship with another person. Okay? So, when I put intelligence into my affection, 
I add up the facts. I consider the facts that are involved in that relationship. If I'm going to add up the facts, I must first get the facts, right? If I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my mind, I must first get the facts. Well, where do I get the facts about God? From his word. As I learn his word, I'm getting the facts about God, and I'm learning to love him beyond feeling, but with thinking. Thinking is how we live life. Thinking is what gets us through. Okay? You can't feel your way out of a situation. You have to think your way out of a situation. Okay? So let's talk a little bit about getting the facts about God from His Word. Okay? Number one, we get the facts about His person. The Bible tells us in John 1 verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. So now we see that this Word that was deity is the Creator, right? He created all things. Apart from Him, nothing came into being. Nada has come into being that has come into being. So everything that exists is because of this word, this deity, okay? And then we skip down to verse 14 in John 1, where he said, and that word, that deity that created all things, he became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, so the Word became a person, a human being, and they saw His glory. And what was that glory? It's what they saw at the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus took three disciples, Peter, James, and John, and He went up on the mountain, and Moses and Elijah came down to minister to Jesus, and His garments radiated like the sun. And they saw his glory. They saw the Lord in a temporary glorified state. So now we see the person of Jesus. Who is this person that we're affectionately, intelligently in love with? He's from eternity past. He is the word of God. He's the creator of all things. And he has glory. Okay? Now we're getting to know him more personally. Secondly, we need to know his mission. Why did he come? John said he, he, he came to earth, right? He became a man. The word became flesh. Why did he do that and dwelt among us? Well, because in a couple of chapters later, John chapter 3, you know what he said? God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That was his mission, to seek and save the lost. Okay? He had a mission. He came with a purpose to seek and save the lost. He didn't come to judge us and condemn us. He came to deliver us from that judgment and from that condemnation. Okay? Thirdly, we get to know him according to his promise. Peter jumped in on this one. Second Peter 3.9, he said, The Lord is not slow about his promise. And what is that promise? 
that to return. He told the disciples, I'm coming back. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be also. But I will come back and receive you to myself. Okay? So he's not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. And this is why, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So we see that Jesus is patient in his promise. And I know we've probably all thrown up the prayer, come Lord Jesus now. I've said it. I'm like, Lord, come now. This place is crazy. This world is getting crazy. Come now. Get me out of here. But he's waiting for more people to get into that lifeboat. Okay? That's why he's waiting. So we get to know the Lord according to his promise and his patience. Another way. See, this is all intelligence. This is knowing the facts about Christ. That way we can give it a reason for the hope that is in us. As Peter said, why do you believe what you believe? What are the facts? That's what's important. Number four, we learn about him and the word that God left us with. In other words, God left us with a message. It's called the Bible, the Holy Bible. And in that Bible, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says that that Bible, the Word of God, it's living and active. Oh, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What does that mean? It means that this word, it's alive. And you know what it does? It cuts us. And it reads our minds. It knows our intentions. And that's why sometimes, hey, you can be reading the Bible or hearing it preached. And God impresses upon you. What you were going to do, don't do it. Or what you were going to say, don't say it. It knows your intentions. Or maybe what you were going to neglect, go do it. It knows. Did you ever get conviction from the Word? Of course you have. Conviction is a redirecting because we're going the wrong way or thinking the wrong thing. And where does that, how does that happen? Well, this Word is alive and it's powerful. And it cuts us and separates us from our spirit and our flesh. And it knows exactly what we're planning and what we're thinking. Why? Because it's divinely inspired. God knows. And you know what's so great about the Bible? It's been around for a long time. You know what? It never goes out of date. It never goes out of date. It's always relevant. It's relevant to every nation. It's relevant to every generation, to every tongue and tribe. The Word of God is relevant. You know why? Because it's God's Word to all people. That's why some, you know, some foolish people will say, oh, the Bible's outdated. The Bible's never outdated. God can't be outdated. What it says, it says because it is truth. It's truth. And some people want to pick and choose what they believe in God's Word. Some will just discard things they disagree with. Let me tell you something. It's God's truth. And we would do well to abide in that truth because that's how we get to know God, 
through his word. If you're going to have a relationship with God, it's got to based on, it's got to be based on intelligence. So this is the intelligence. It's in the scriptures. Another way we get to know God is through his glory. Number five. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 1 3, speaking of Christ, he is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. Wow, what does that mean? That Christ is the outshining of God. Okay? He, he, God shines himself through Christ. And that's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the outshining of God, and he's the exact representation of God's nature. Same thing. There was, he, he is the exact image of God confined to human flesh. That's what Jesus is. Deity in and shrouded in flesh. That's what he is. But he's still the God-man. The hypostatic union, all God and all man, the God-man. What we see is the man part of him, but the deity dwells on the inside. And he upholds all things, wow, by the things that he says. The word of his power. You realize how powerful his word is to hold all things together? So I would say we would do well then to get that word inside of us. Because it's powerful. Oh, the Word of God, it's changed lives. You know, it's almost impossible to change a life, to change the character of a person. It's almost impossible. But the Word of God can do it. God's Word can change the character of a person, if you let it. That's how strong it is and how powerful it is. People have gone from being selfish to generous. They've gone from being, having feelings of unworthiness to feeling valued. God's word affects us in every way. We've gone from feeling unloved to really loved. Because God's word can do that for us. Number six, we learn about God because he has a goal in mind. Remember that time is linear. It's going somewhere. And one day, boop, it's going to end. It's going to stop. So what's the goal? Acts 16.31. Somebody said, the jailer said to the apostle, what must we do to be saved? And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. See, when you get to know God, you get to know that, wait a minute, he wants people saved from judgment and in a relationship with him. That's what he wants. He's unlike all the other gods of all the other nations. No one has a god like that. They're all false gods. But isn't it nice to know that this all-powerful god that we have, he wants us with him. He loves us, and he wants to bring us to him. And there's so much more. That is why commitment to learn is so vital. Without the learning, you're void of the facts. And without the facts, you cannot love the Lord your God with all your mind. Okay? And if you think you know enough, you're greatly mistaken. 
I want you to think of it like this. You've seen pictures of an iceberg, okay? And they say that you only see like the tip of the iceberg, 10%, most of it is underwater, right? So you might see this ice cap sticking out of the ocean, but underneath, oh, there's so much more. So think of the tip of the iceberg as life on Earth, okay? But then beyond that is life in eternity. And there's so much more. Oh, so much more. That's why Peter said, grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grow means enlarge. And it's a present tense. Keep on doing it. You're not going to reach a point where you can stop. There's always more. Do it while it is today. And by the way, this is a command. It's not like, oh, you know, if you got nothing better to do, you might want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. No, it's a command. God's commanding it. What are we doing? What are we going to do with that? So if it's a command, why is it some do and some do not grow in their Christian life? Why is that? Why are some people growing with leaps and bounds and others, man, they just stay the same old fleshly carnal people? I don't know. Maybe Peter has the answer. He said, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow and respect the salvation. When he said long for the pure milk of the word, it means to intensely crave. Crave it. I guess the question is, are you hungry? Are you hungry for the word of God? You know, like, if you're not hungry for food, you're not going to eat. Unless it's chocolate. You don't have to be hungry to eat chocolate. You just eat it. <laughs> but if you're hungry, you eat. And if you're spiritually hungry, you're going to be drawn to the Word of God. So my spiritual growth begins with desire that leads to commitment. Okay? It starts off with a desire because I'm hungry, and then I become committed to learning. And when I'm committed to learning, I will grow. And then when I grow, now I can love the Lord my God with all my mind, because I'm growing. And the more I learn, the greater is my capacity to love, to love God. You know, it's it's that simple. It really is. The more I learn about God in all these categories that I mentioned, the more I learn those things the more I'll be able to love God for who He is. And if you're having a hard time loving God, you need to get to what we're talking about today. It's not a feeling kind of a love. It's an intellectual, thinking kind of a love. So in summary, let me wrap this up for you. Number one, I can go from seeker to babe to mature. Okay, we all start off looking, curious about God. We get saved, we're a babe in Christ, and then we grow and we mature. Secondly, wait a minute, I need the facts about who Christ is. I need the facts. Who is Jesus? He's the Word. He became flesh. He created all things. We saw His glory. He dwelt among us. He's the, he's the God-man. 
He's got a mission to seek and save the lost. Okay? Those are the facts. Thirdly, he is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God become flesh. Okay? That's why he became human. The Word became personified in Jesus. Fifthly, he came to provide salvation. When you think of salvation, you think of what? Saved. Saved from what? Saved from judgment. Saved from the judgment of God that sin deserves. Saved from the judgment and the penalty of sin. Saved from the power of the sin nature, which causes you to do dumb things. Saved from all of those things. Sixthly, his word knows me, and it cuts me, and it judges my thoughts. Boy, when I understand the word of God and I have an appreciation for it like that, I'm going to really be able to love God. I will. I'm going to grow, and I'm going to love God because I, I appreciate the veracity of his word and how personal it really is. Number seven, his glory shows that Jesus is God when he was glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration. And his goal is that we would all believe. That's the goal, that we would believe. And then in our belief, we grow spiritually. And then we can love him intelligently with all of our mind. Isn't that the goal? To love him intelligently, not emotionally, but not with no reason, but we love him intelligently with all of our mind. Then you get something that's going to keep you stable in the storms of life. Oh, yes, it will. Next time we're together, we're going to wrap it up. Loving God with all of our strength. Did you know that your physical being plays a very big part in your relationship with God? It's not just a head trip. Because God wants all of you. And that includes your physical being as well. So we'll we'll see what that's all about next time. Thank you for coming along today. Pray for the program. Support us if you can. NewHopeRadio.live. Go to the menu bar. Join the Hope Club. We'll send you a devotional every day. You'll send us $3 every week. I don't know. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Hope that you'll get on board so we can have these Bible times together on the radio and on the podcast. The Hope Club podcast. That's where you can re-listen. The Hope Club podcast. Let's keep it going. I'll see you next time.